Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have the hardest working woman in Web3, Miss Stacy Bueller, on the line with us today. Stacy, how you doing, my friend? I am so good, and I'm flattered. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Uh, can you give a quick introduction to who you are for the listeners? Yeah, so my name is Stacy Bueller. I, I mean what to say about me. There's so much, but I'll tell you the simple tale. Um, I am a fashion photographer and digital illustrator. I've been doing fashion photography for about 10 years now, and I just do digital illustration on the side for fun. It's always been a hobby. And um, yeah, I just got into NFTs and I've been working my ass off, like you said. Yeah. I. Uh, so we met, I don't know, couple weeks couple months ago web3 moves quick um in one of these spaces um easily one of the most inspiring hardest working people i've met in these spaces you are incredibly giving with your time which i immediately respond to because i like people who are genuinely interested in seeing other people be successful and one of the coolest things that i think uh has been a, a big byproduct of twitter and twitter spaces growing is this sort of community aspect um, about building sort of like a network of, of good people that you can relate to and talk to on, on the interwebs. Um, what is it about your career, your life in general, that has made you be so open and effective at community building? For sure. Um, it goes back. It goes way back. Um, I was born and raised Mormon in Provo, Utah. So the epicenter of Mormons, that's where I'm from. I am... I was born and bred to be a Mormon. My ancestors were like the pioneers that established Utah and, and all of that shit. So like wow. it runs deep and I had a very strong community growing up. Right. So not only my neighborhood, all the kids in my school were Mormon. Like everyone I knew pretty much was Mormon and you didn't really associate with people who weren't Mormon because then you could make bad choices. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what they would say. Right. You are who you surround yourself with is what they preach big time. And so I did have this really strong sense of community. And when and like I knew I could call my next door neighbor if I was in a bind or like a random lady in my ward and she would come pick me up or help me as a teenager, like if a situation was ever compromising or whatever. Like I knew they had my back and I had theirs. I would I would have done the same. Right. And I left Mormonism when I was 24 and I'm 29 now. Or no, I was 26 when I left. Okay. Whoa. Okay. So I've only been out of it for three years. Um, <laughs> but two of those like were COVID. Said, well, so it's like 20. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I left like the year before COVID hit, I think. So about three years ago. It's pretty good timing. But, yeah, yeah, it was good timing. It was really good timing. But yeah, so I had this really strong sense of community just with my background. And when I left, I lost all sense of spirituality. I lost my identity. I knew like before I knew where I was going when I died, like I was going to live with my family in heaven forever. And like, you know, like, and then you, you lose that and you have a crisis, like you have an identity crisis. It's the hardest time of my life, hands down, was it took me three years to decide I needed to leave, right? Um, and when I left, I lost community. Like, they don't shun you, but like, they basically believe that you are like tricked by the devil, kind of. So like anyone who isn't Mormon is like tricked oh, into boy. not being Mormon kind of a thing yeah. right and so you kind of lose this community because they become afraid of you and i i got a ton of tattoos right when i left and you should see my neighbors when mm -hmm. they see me now <laughs> it's like hilarious they like try to not look at the tattoos and stuff <laughs> um but then my friend he was getting into nfts and that was about in t the end of 2020 sometime in 2020 he was getting into nfts and he He's actually my manager at my talent agency I belong to. And he was getting into NFTs and I thought he was nuts. Like I literally was like, that is so nerdy, like digital art. Ugh. Like I, I was such a brat about it. Like that's what I thought. I was like, okay, Ryan's just like a nerd who likes anime and NFTs. Like that's like what I thought. Oh, I just doxed him, whatever. Um, 
but he uh, he was getting into it and he had a photo project uh, that he was working on. And in December, he launched it uh, of this past year, December of 2021, launched it, right? So worked on it for a year and then launched it. He, I was like encouraging him, but I was at the same time, I was like hesitant. Like I was like, I don't know what NFTs are, like whatever. He drops his collection. It sold out in three hours. Holy a photo. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like as soon as that happened. And the same week that, that, that he sold out, I, um, I fucking, someone on Instagram was like, Hey, you should sell your little drawings that you post on Instagram sometimes as NFTs. And I was like, okay, boom, I'm there. So that night I dropped a photo collection and two digital <laughs> illustration collections. And then I got on Twitter. I signed up for Twitter. And um, my friend was like, you got to get on spaces. You got to get on space at Twitter spaces. And so I made my Twitter account. I started following every freaking NFT account I could find. I followed everyone he followed, everyone that followed him. I just went on a following spree. And then I made some videos of myself talking about my work. And I had that as my pinned tweet so that people knew I was like a real person who's brand new to Twitter, mm-hmm. right? And that's how I started to build any type of community was just posting a video of myself so that people would follow me and know that I wasn't like a bot. Sure. And uh, I got on spaces and became obsessed. Yeah. Like, I love talking about myself. Like, you'd ask me to be on a podcast. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. I love talking (laughs) about myself. (laughs) Like, so I fell in love with spaces and uh, I made a few sales off of like people from Instagram that were into NFTs when I like posted like, Hey, I've got NFTs out. So I made like two or three sales and I was like, okay, this, this might be a thing, you know, I'm making a couple sales and fall in love with this space because what I didn't know is I needed that community. Like I needed a community and I hadn't had one in years. And it was something that made me so happy, so comfortable with. Right. And um, that's why I like fell in love with Twitter. And I just started hosting spaces because I was like, dude, I bet hosts get way more followers. (laughs) And so and I was like, I could host a space like what is it? You just have people come up and talk about their work. Easy. Like for me, that's easy. And then it just started to grow like the more I hosted spaces, the more people were connecting with me, the more I was sharing my story, the more people wanted to know more. And I started like growing a, a pretty great community of people and I learned all their names and I'm still meeting new people and trying to learn their names. Like I really want to remember as many people that I meet, yeah. right? Um, because they are part of my journey. Like they're listening to me talk in a space for three hours before they get their turn. Like, you know, um, but like telling my story and you asked about vulnerability and I think I developed a religious OCD, um, about confession Hmm. because part of my story is this whole big thing with confessing quote unquote sexual sin. Um, and so what I had learned in Mormonism was you have to tell every freaking detail of your sin, uh, in order to be forgiven. Wow. Like you have to fully, you can't just say I had sex. You have to say I did this and I did this and and then I had sex. Well, the Catholics got it a little bit easier, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, my priest would be like, John, get the fuck out. I don't want to hear this. (laughs) Right. And like, Yeah. So that's what I like learned through some, what I now consider like maybe like predatorial situations. Hmm. Um, I I believe that like maybe some of the leaders I talked to were, you know, give me every kind of a thing. And then I just started learning, okay, no one will judge me if I just tell them everything, right? If people know my whole story, they'll get me and they'll get why I am the way that I am. Like they'll get why I'm high energy. They'll get why I'm happy and excited or, you know, they'll get the complexities of who I am if I just share. 
And so it's really easy for me to be like vulnerable in spaces and just share anything because I want people to get it. Mm -hmm. Like I want people to get me, you know? So I think that's how I'm able to be vulnerable. I think that's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. It's, I, I jokingly introduced you as the hardest working woman on Twitter, and I don't think it's actually a joke. I've literally watched you be in spaces for eight, nine, ten hours at a clip, and that's fucking crazy. Um, and you come from like a background of the last couple of years has obviously been hard, right? There's a lot of upturn and change, and you know, you know, like a, a transitory period of your life. Um, and you jump headfirst into this space, which I find both amazing but also it can be very hard right it's very draining you have to be on all the time talk to me about sort of like the process of um you know measuring yourself and and like being able to sort of like to protect yourself from the fact that you kind of always have to be on you always have to be like you know shilling and like fucking really just it's like a 24 7 sort of like rat race at times and like how do you protect yourself from that So, yeah, like running spaces, like the other night I ran one, I think we did 10 hours last night. No, I've slept for 20 hours yesterday. What am I kidding? (laughs) The night before we did 10 hours, um, I've done a 40 hour space before that was not, that was not, (laughs) I fell asleep twice, but my co-host Matthew Matapaz. Stayed up the full. Wait, I just remembered how I met you guys. This might have been that night. Was that the duck (laughs) night? Was that the quack night? Oh, okay. No, but that was a great night. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great night. Yeah, I was fucking shit faced. I came home from from a shoot and like going out for drinks with friends, and I was like, oh, I got. There's got to be something going on. And I met you and Matthew and a few other people just quacking and shit. That was sorry. Go ahead. Um, okay. Like I guess finding a balance. So part of the crazy story to unpack is that for the past, uh, seven, eight years, I was on a medication that put me on a bipolar hypomania. Oh, fuck. So the, my first two months in the space, they, they like kind of diagnosed me with ADHD. Once we got me off that depression medication and a few other ones that they just kept adding on pills essentially. And it kept making me crazier and crazier and crazy. And I was able to get off of those like a year ago and they put me on Adderall uh, for ADHD because I was really restless all the time and all, and all that and had a lot of the symptoms. And it actually, I missed it for three days. I ran out, missed it for three days. And then I took it and it put me on a mania for two months. Holy shit. And that was my first two months in the space. No wonder you have so many followers. So, <laughs> right? So it's like for those people that are listening and, and don't know what a bipolar hypomania is, some of the symptoms are you cannot stop talking. Ding, ding, ding. There we go. Um, you cannot stop talking. It's hard to sleep. You, you stay up just hours and hours and hours and hours. Uh, you spend a lot of money. Like spending money is one of the only things that makes you feel better. Hmm. So a lot of people get into a lot of debt. So over the past seven years, you can imagine what that was like. Um, And then you also kind of feel like a God, like you feel unstoppable. You like, it really is a superpower in a way because you don't see that you don't think you're God, but like, you're like, I'm fucking kick-ass. I can do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So my first two months in the space were like, not sleeping, hosting spaces and talking a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely not balanced at all. I wasn't taking breaks. It was just like morning, night, morning, night space. Right. And through the night sometimes. And so luckily I got off of that. Uh, A bunch of other stuff has happened with my medications that I'm, that I'm working on currently, but uh, I'm back on Adderall. uh, So we're hoping it doesn't trigger a mania. Um, so I'm having to really watch myself right now and, and be aware of what's going on. And so, uh, taking breaks is huge. Like I know when you get into the Twitter spaces, it can feel like you're going to miss out on everything Mm -hmm. if you even a day. Right. But that's why I've started scheduling my Twitter spaces is 
because I have to keep a balance. I have a real life job where I'm a fashion photographer and I have clients and deadlines. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's really time management. It's like, okay, I'm doing a space at 8 PM tonight. If it gets big, I know I'm going to stay up and I need to cancel my space in the morning stuff like that to where like once a space like hits 150 it and starts bumping up and you're at like over 200 you're like okay this is an opportunity it's an opportunity for other people along with myself like i'm not gonna be like i'm only there for them like of course i'm there for me too yeah but um i think you do a really good job in balancing that though because it doesn't feel like a selfish endeavor when you're hosting these spaces because you do a really good job of bringing a lot of people up, giving them their allotted amount of time to speak about who they are, what their art is. And that's something that resonates a lot with me because you do go into some of these spaces and people are just like really not interested in doing anything other than hearing themselves speak. So that's, I think, probably one of the reasons why uh, you know we've become friends on the internet because you're uh, giving of your time and space to other people because, you know, rising tide lifts all seas, so to speak. Um, you do have a very, very sick portfolio. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time on your website and your Instagram. Your work is incredible. Um, talk to me about how you got into photography. When did you pick up a camera? And what is it specifically about fashion that you love most? Sure, sure. So I picked up a camera. Uh, I got married when I was 22. And we spent our first six months of marriage living in China, um, in a town called Changzhou. Wow. And we were, I was in charge of a bunch of English teachers because I had done a semester there in college, right? And so before we went, like it was Christmas and I was like, okay, I want a camera because last time I went there, I was getting into Instagram and, you know, I was already like into Instagram and taking cool photos on my phone. So I was like, I want a real camera so that I can like document China, you know, document it and uh, really have great images as memories because I photos are beautiful memories, mm-hmm. right? But some of those photos in China are like, they make me so happy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I picked up a camera. And then when I got home from China, I was like, okay, I live in Utah. There's tons of weddings. And when I was in China, I got really into videography and taking videos. So I was like, I'll do wedding videos and I'll, I'll go to school to be a film editor and work in Hollywood to be a film editor. And so I did a few wedding videos and was like, okay, this is kind of the same thing over and over again. You know what? Photography is probably super easy because I kind of do photography too. And it seems a lot less work than these wedding videos. And I could make great money doing that. Mm -hmm. So, so I was like, all right, I dropped out of school, hired a business coach and was like, I'm going to be like, the best wedding photographer in the world. Like I'm going to make millions of dollars doing weddings. Right. And so I was working with that business coach and I was able to actually have a very successful first year of photography as a wedding photographer. Mm -hmm. But, but at the same time, I wanted to really accelerate and grow quickly. So I was doing photo shoots with like models and people off of Instagram. Uh, I think three to four times a week I was shooting outside of all the weddings that I was shooting, which was like 25 my first year, I think. Wow. And so I was like getting really good, really fast because I was really putting in the hours. And one day my, (laughs) I, my business coach, like we were on the phone and she was like, Stacy, why are you doing wedding photography? Your fashion stuff that you've been doing on the side is way cooler. Mm. She was just like, you're way better at that. And I was like, yeah, like that's the most fun. Like I like dressing people in cool outfits and taking their photos. Like that's like my favorite thing to do. And so she was like, do you want to be a fashion photographer? She was like, it's a longer game. Like you're not going to be a millionaire in two years. Like you could be with weddings, but like, if you want to do it, I think you should go for it. And I was like, okay, well, how do I do that? She was like, well, if it was me, I would buy a plane ticket to Paris Fashion Week. And I would go take photos of celebrities outside of the the shows and tag them on Instagram. Mm. So that night, I bought a plane ticket to Paris. Dude. And uh, found a few friends last minute 
to come with me. And um, two weeks later, I was in Paris for fashion week and I snuck into shows, ended up getting invited to a few shows and I built a runway and a street style portfolio. And I was only there three days, I think. Dude, that's sick. And yeah. And then all of a sudden in Utah, where I'm from, it was like, whoa, how did this girl go get to photograph like Manish Aurora's fashion show in Paris? Yeah. Like, how did that Right. So all of a sudden in Utah, bing, I was like legit. I was like the fashion photographer. And so very quickly after that, you know, started happening, I still wasn't making like a lot of money, but, um, my business coach was like, okay, well, you know, your next move is like, you got to go to New York or LA. And so I was like, okay, uh, let's go to New York. And I told my husband, we were moving, my ex-husband, but I was like, let's move to New York. And we sold our house. We sold most of our belongings and we moved to a one bedroom apartment in New York on the Upper West Side. And I was there for a year and a half and that's when my mental health was like super awful. Um, but you know, I ended up making some great connections despite that. And, uh, the first year I lived in New York, I had 35 editorials published in magazines internationally, Dude. which means I was shooting an editorial almost every week. That's so um, fucking sick. I was, that was the height of my mania probably. Wow. The height of the everything was like, get published, get published, get published, get noticed. And I met this tattoo artist one day I was going and I happened to get on her list last minute. And I went and got a tattoo from this tattoo artist who was sick in New York. Um, and her name's girl, New York for, if anyone knows her, um, she, she <laughs> liked me she thought it was funny and she said like, or I told her, I was like, I like your personality. You're really great or something like that. And she thought it was funny and was like, okay, I like this girl. And we become friends on Instagram. And then she DMs me and is like, Hey, can I FaceTime you right now? FaceTimes me and asked me to shoot her collaboration campaign with Gucci. And that was like on the resume now, you know? Yeah. And ended up hating New York, leaving and moving to LA and just continued on there and started working with like IMG models. And, you know, um, yeah, it's just been like, I have plowed my way in with no connections at all. And it's just been people taking chances on me to get me here. Stacy, that is wildly fucking incredible and beyond inspiring. Like Jesus fucking Christ, dude, that is wild. So I think the first thing that comes to mind is, so I'm a big proponent of mental health. Like, were it not for therapy in the last two years, I have no fucking idea where I would be. Like, I'm a wholly different human being than I was two years ago. Um, but my personal, you know, journey with mental health was my inability to really do anything, right? And, like, get out of bed or, like, want to be any sort of a functioning member of society. Um, and you had like the exact opposite sort of experience. Um, when you're in that sort of like manic produce, produce, create, create mode, like, are you cognizant of what's going on or is it just like all gas, no brakes? And it's just like, go, go, go. For me, I thought I was functioning at 80%. I literally was like, cause everyone, like, even though you're on a mania, you're going to crash. So like I would right. crash for maybe a week, maybe two weeks and be completely stuck in bed. Right. Um, but like, uh, with the mania, it's like, I really like, because I couldn't take care of myself physically, like brush my teeth, shower. Like I really couldn't. Um, I felt like I was a half of a functioning person. Wow. And then when I was living in LA during COVID, obviously I was on a mania during COVID. So kind of going nuts. Right. And, uh, I was producing lots of like workshop material and I was hustling to make money, uh, on the internet. And, um, I took a month off of everything. I just decided, okay, 
I have been working so hard for so long. I'm, I'm giving myself a month. I don't care. Like, I don't care what anyone says. I'm, I'm not going to do anything for a month. And so I got my iPad and I just started drawing and I drew and I drew and I drew and I drew like for a month straight. I was like, okay, I'm, I was even like thinking, I'm like, maybe I should be a tattoo artist. Like, this is so inspiring. It feels so nice to take a break and not have my camera. And, uh, that's when I realized, holy shit, dude, you have been operating at 300%. Yeah. And that's when it, like, I realized like, I haven't been half of a person. I've been three people, you know? And that was really a huge moment for me when I had to realize like, you got to take a step back. You, you cannot go this hard this much all the time. And that's been the best thing for me. So I just like, I bumped up my prices big time mm-hmm. and was like, okay, I get hired when I get hired and that's it. I'm going to work less, make more. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I just bumped up the prices when I got divorced in, I don't even know what year it was. It was a year from from January this year. 2020. Uh, so about a year ago. And uh, I raised, I doubled my day rate because I had just gotten divorced. And I was like, dude, I've been functioning so high. Like, and I ended up getting divorced or separating maybe a month after I took that time off from, from photography. And I was like, fuck, I've got to provide for myself. So I doubled my day rate and I booked it within 24 hours. Yeah, so and that was the, that was the universe saying, here's your hard work. You are really good. You know, the imposter syndrome, when that happened, my imposter syndrome just like died left. <laughs> yeah. It, it just was like, I'm worth that much a day. And then three months later, I got offered double my day rate Ooh. for a job, double my new day rate for a job. And that's when I was like, wow, my hard work is going to pay off mm. and it's starting to pay off and I'm starting to see it. Cause that was the first time I had really started making money. I'm super curious what your relationship is like with money. Um, especially coming from a pretty solid religious background. Um, cause so like for my own personal story, like I spent the entirety of my professional working career chasing one thing and one thing only, and that was money. Right. So I was the most money hungry human being I've ever met. I was not focused at all what I was doing for a living. It was strictly what I was going to be paid to be doing it. Right. I didn't give a fuck what I was doing. I was like, if you're going to pay me this and then, okay, I get another job in a year and you're going to pay me twice as much. I'm going to go do that. Um, but it took like the collapse of my professional career in corporate America in 2020 for me to realize that nothing about what I was doing, like you had mentioned, spending money like crazy. Like I was doing the same thing. I was trying to fill a void that I had in myself that at the time I didn't know I had, um, which is great because it's a nice learning lesson in life. Um, but I'm super curious what your relationship is like with that now. Yeah. So I was just like you, man. I was like, I was doing fashion photography and making no money and obsessing over money. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot, you say you were the most money hungry. I get it. I was right there with you. Like it became a, an obsession because um, I'm married into money and it became about like, even if you have money, that's what people don't realize. Even if you have money, it's stressful, yeah. especially becoming coming from a conservative background where it's like, don't spend your money, don't invest in yourself, don't t- take risks, mm-hmm. right? And um, so my relationship with money was pretty fucked up. Like, I saw what it did to my ex's family. Um, I saw what it was, like, kind of doing to me. Like, to me... $100 was $20. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That literally is what it was like for me, right? Yeah. I was just like fucking spending left and right. And then obsessing over my career and obsessing over being the greatest and obsessing over hitting six figures. That was like what I wanted more than anything was to make a hundred grand, mm-hmm. like in a year. That's all I wanted. And I was nowhere close. When I got divorced, I sex tuppled my income. 
the first year. Six times. Seven? Six. Yeah. Wow. And that is when it was like, I had to, there was a fire under my ass, mind you. It wasn't like I just like gave up thinking about money. It's a constant battle for me to check myself and say, why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you love it? Or are you doing this because you're chasing money still? Right. It's a great question. So what's the answer? You know, so for me, it's, I've realized, uh, yeah, well, what I've realized is I have been chasing money. Like I have been because I got, I was in different financial situations that just made it necessary. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Necessary. Right. It, it was necessary to like, I couldn't make it look like I was spending my ex's money. So it was like, you have to look like you're successful on Instagram. So that's what I was doing, you know? And I invested a lot into my career and I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful for my ex for believing in me enough to allow me to invest in, in like, because he believed in me, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. But like now this past year, I have been at that. Why the fuck am I doing this? Am I even happy doing this? It's just been chasing money and making nothing. Hmm like what it seemed like nothing. And then like any time. And like I said, I was on a mania this year, this past year. So I got into a lot of debt again and, you know, kicking myself in the ass for that. But like, you know, you live, you you learn, learn, you know, but yeah. So now I'm to the point where it's like, I was chasing it for money. So it's time to evolve. And now I am headed back towards my video roots. I love that. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because photography came to me at a point in my life where I truly had no sense of self, right? Like, I had no fucking clue who I was, right? Everything that I had identified previous was taken away, and I'm left as looking at, like, a complete failure, a loser, what am I doing, like, blah, blah, blah. And it's now been the thing that has, like, saved me, right? Like, I it... The, there, there is no question that were it not for photography, I have no fucking clue. I'd be like down by the river and you know, like, I, I, or I'd be like doing another dumb fucking sales job, tech job in the city to make a fuckload of money and miserable, probably drinking myself to death. Um, but I, it's luck in that fact that I was able to like sort of stumble into this thing and it's only been, you know, two years of this journey that I've had it. Um, and there are times when I'm doing jobs that I don't want to be doing that I think like, do I have any right to be like not happy with what I'm doing? I'm carrying the thing that I love the most in the world. I'm creating, you know, maybe it's a 30th birthday party, but you know, tomorrow it might be a band at some concert and some show or whatever. Do I have any space to be not happy about that? And I think that you brought up an interesting point because there are two things that I struggle with with my new career, and it's how I measure success and what are my goals and what do I do after I reach them because I've already exceeded my highest expectations in a short period of time. So now I'm at that now what stage of my life. Um, You are a person who's had an incredible, incredible rate of success already in your career. How do you measure success and how do you go about goal setting for your future? It's so funny that you say that because for the past seven years, I have not seen myself as successful because I didn't make money. Wow. Interesting. Right? I I can, my mom could tell you how many conversations that I've had where I'm like, those magazines mean nothing. That one Gucci job means nothing. It means nothing because I... I didn't make money, Hmm. you know, that is literally was my mindset was like, I have no success. Hmm. I have no money. I do not have that hundred grand, you know? And this year when I like kind of got out of that mindset um, and felt empowered and kind of stepped into my power, I realized like, okay, girl, you have hit most of your goals. Like, have you hit that hundred grand? No. But like you have hit most of your goals that you set out to achieve. Like you've gotten in Vogue Russia. You wanted to get in Vogue, you know, like you were on Vogue.com. You did that. Okay. Like, 
And so I had to like sit back this year and I actually like kind of just is the right word reveled in it. Like I just like embraced it and was like, you know what, this is pretty cool. And the NFT Twitter spaces, like community has really helped me see like, no, I, I've done a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And my new goals now, as far as like setting new goals, I still have goals that I want to achieve that I haven't in fashion and photography. You know, like I, there are musicians I want to work with. There are actors I want to work with. Like there, you know, there's still things to be done. Mm-hmm. Right. And I see that and I know that I'm great at it. I know I'm a great fashion photographer and I'm ready to have even more challenges. Like I want, I've always wanted to make one film. I know the film. I, I know it and I will make it. And I've always told people, oh yeah, in my forties, I'm going to be making films. Like that's my plan. And it kind of like, as I'm hitting 30 this year, I'm like, okay, like you've been sitting on photography for a year being like, does it make me happy? You know, I think an evolution is starting to happen. And I think the Twitter community is seeing me evolve in the past few months, which is exciting because people tell me they're like, Stacy, we're like watching something happen with you. Right. And I now am going to use NFTs to be funding fashion films. I'm getting my super eight millimeter camera back out. Uh, I'm studying directing. Uh, I want to be a director. I want to direct music videos. I want to direct fashion films and I want to make my movie in a few years. And so I decided, you know, it's time to set these goals now because you never know how long it's going to, going to take. Like it might not happen. Everything that happened to me in the first six years might not happen in the first six years of filmmaking. Right. And so it really is. It's like taking photography keep using that as networking opportunities and as an outlet to create and use it to make money because you're great at it, you know, use that and incorporate that into the filmmaking, because I'll tell you why I think that way really quick. It's just because when I was 20, around 22, I was volunteering in the Sundance film festival in park city, Utah. And it's something I would do like every year my favorite thing that's my vacation every year and I went and saw this film it was with Michelle Pfeiffer and it was like her pretending to be an old lady or something the whole film and it was great it was just a great film and I went up to the director after because I wanted to tell him like I really liked it like thanks for making it and the guy in front of me that was talking to him was like hey I noticed you were shooting from like these weird angles that I've never even seen in in a lot of cinematography he's like why'd you choose to do that And he was like, oh, I started out in fashion photography. So that's why. And when I heard that, it it like clicked for me. And I was like, that's my end. That's how I meet Michelle Pfeiffer and have her star in my film. I photograph. It just seemed easier than trying to like go into Hollywood and be this huge director. Yeah. You know, it seemed like, wow, that guy's smart the way he did that. And that's how I've been kind of like replicating my journey into film. And I just feel like now it's, it's time to keep doing photography for sure. But like, it's time to start learning and, and evolving into what I've always wanted to do. Dude, I fucking love that. Um, it does bring up a question. So my mentor is a photographer director and she, um, you know, she's done like major music videos for major, you know, country music stars and like just directed her very first feature. She's a fucking gangster. Right. Um, and we were having a conversation and, you know, I directed a music video a couple months ago and I don't think it's good. I think it's, it's okay. But like, you know, it's just something I did with my, my, uh, mirrorless camera. And I was like, yeah, you know, video just doesn't do it for me. And I asked her the question, which I'll now ask you, do you think for some photographers like directing and creating features in whatever realm that might be short film, long form documentary, whatever is a pretty natural progression in terms of like one's desire to tell stories. Yeah, I do. For me, it's definitely been a a progression like with editorial photography, with editorial fashion, it's called a fashion story. So I was always putting 
my story into those, right? I was always taking something I was going through or like whatever to build this story about this fashion model. And I think, I think not for everyone, it's a natural progression because there is some people that just love photography. They love that moment, Mm -hmm. right? That just single instant, that is single emotion. And for me, I like, I need to be able to create with music. Like I am, if you know me, I'm obsessed with every form of art. I'm obsessed with it. I was an art history major for a while. Like I love it all. And I think in order for me to tell my story, the way I want to tell it, I need more than photography to tell it. Hmm. And, and that's my progression is as I have fallen in love with telling stories and fallen in love with photography, I need more of my voice, you know, Mm -hmm. and dialogue is an art, you know, like screenwriting is such an art form and it's, yeah, it's just, it feels like for me, that's always been the progression. That's awesome. I I think, you know, for a person who is like unabashedly, detailed their own mental health uh you seem to have it figured out pretty fucking well (laughs) from the outside looking in i mean it is an inspiring thing for me because i like having conversations with people who are in different places in their life than me right i am in a completely different place from anybody that i grew up with my friends my family and it's nice that we've had this community online that i've been able to like connect with people all across the world that are more or less doing the same thing, right? Having some sort of a creative life, which is great. Um, for me, my question for you is like, I, I, so like I, I spent so much of my life looking at like where I would be next, right? The next job, the next fucking house, car, watch, whatever it might be, always looking forward. Um, do you do that or are you more like present conscious in terms of like how you're viewing your, your current state of life? I definitely dwell on the past too much. Mm. that's something for me. Um, I have been able to become a lot more present uh, by hosting spaces Mm. because I have to sit there. I have to listen. I can't just let somebody come up and then not listen to what they have to say. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's making me more present and like drawing more on my iPad, doing these ugly Bettys and ugly birds that I do like that is therapy and it helps me be present. And I think it always was searching for that next job or that next whatever. But now I I just feel like I'm ready for abundance and I am going to work hard and we'll see what comes in. You know, like I, I'm still going to reach out to Gucci and try and get hired. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm still going to be sending cold call emails to different brands I want to work with and, and I'm going to move forward that way. But I, I'm not so focused on, I just wanted to be the best fashion photographer in the world. I wanted to be better than Annie Leibovitz. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the best. Want. And I've, right? I've been able to let that go. You oh. know, I just want to live. I just want to live and do what I love. Ooh. And it's not about becoming the best at anything for me anymore. You know, because I am the first Stacy. And I know what I'm capable of and I've done some cool shit and I know I'm going to do more cool shit. And I'm, I'm sure of myself in that. Like, I know I can do it. I've seen my capabilities, but it's just not so much about being the best anymore. And that is so relieving to say. I really love that. I think there's like, without question, you get into these situations where like, I'm guilty of it, right? I'll compare my chapter two with Stacy's chapter 35. And it's like, wow, you know, I'm like, no, okay, well, there's a lot of chapters between the two of us, our lives are in completely different places. And, you know, if you if as a person, if you're able to have like the self introspective to be able to like look at where you are relation to the thing that you're doing and understand that everyone's journey and sort of pattern in life goes at their own pace it can leave you open to a lot of amazing things um i'm super curious what your current relationship like is with your family and if was like this work ethic that you have this like undying need to be productive comes from your background as a mormon or like where that sort of 
came from because to me you seem like you have in like a never-ending desire to be both successful and creative and i think at times in this space that's rare unfortunately yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. for sure i mean so my relationship with my family like it's like <sighs> leaving mormonism right that's that's a thing that's a it's a hard thing for parents to accept and for me, I have been open and honest about my concerns since the very beginning. And I heavily relied on my mother during the mental illness. So over the past five, 10 years, me and my mother have become very close. Mm -hmm. um, and she knows everything. She knows I've done drugs. She knows like, and, and she has been able to, like now I can smoke weed at my parents' house. Yeah, nice. Like it, it's it's so fun to like see them become more accepting people of just everybody. Like they're they've they've come so far in their understanding of like, oh my God, we were judgmental. Like we judged other people for not being Mormon. But yeah, to see where my parents have come is really, really, really cool. That's awesome. And in the past, like, you know, they've been so supportive of me and encouraging of me, even though like they may might have thought like she's crazy for thinking that she can like be a, a fashion photographer. Like they've read articles. They know it takes a lot of fashion photographers do not make money. Like that's a fact. Go read it on the Internet, mm -hmm. you know, and they have just been so supportive and encouraging of me. And my work ethic comes from my dad. He works harder than any person I've ever met. And like, I've had issues with my dad. Like as a kid, I'd be, you know, like upset at him for something. And my mom would be like, Stacy, your father is the hardest working person I have ever met. And that like, it stuck with me. And my parents really taught me to work and strive to reach my goals. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be on the year round softball team. And so my mom would play catch with me every day. And to the point where she was catching uh, almost 60 miles an hour softball from 20 feet away in our front yard. Wow. Like, and my mother is not an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> like she taught me, like, if you work hard, you're going to achieve that goal. And my mom really, really put like goal. I'm a very goal oriented person because of that. And then seeing my dad become, he's a mechanical engineer and I see the way his colleagues talk about him and uh, the way they'll say like, your dad's the best boss I've ever had, or like your dad's brilliant. Right. And I would hear those things as a kid. And I was like, I want people to say that about me. And that's why I wanted to be the greatest fashion photographer in the world is because I was like, I want people to talk about me like that. I don't need to be famous, but I want people to say, oh, you have a problem? She she knows exactly what to do. She's the best, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where the work ethic really came from. And just playing sports really taught me to work hard as well. Yeah, that's sick. I, I mean, like, I think the in general, like any sort of creative pursuit takes a lot of hard work, but like a lot of people are very uh, forthright in that they don't have the ability to do that, right? Like they can say, hey, I want to be a feature film director, but when you start looking at what it takes to actually be a person to create a feature film, you're like, well, you know, maybe I'll go be a fucking accountant. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lot at times it's a lot easier said than done. But I marvel at you as like a human being on the outside, you know, looking in because you're like all gas, right? You're like working nonstop in fashion photography, you've got goals to be able to create a feature, you are Twitter space host extraordinaire, like you're doing all these amazing things that like as a as a, you know, an internet friend, I'm like incredibly inspired on a daily basis. Uh, and that's what I think is one of the true great things about um the Twitter spaces right now. My question that uh, leads into that is I have yet to make an NFT sale yet. Um, the pressure to be commercially successful in digital art, I feel is very high right now. And I'm super curious how you deal with um, that inherent sort of pressure to be 
successful selling NFTs, finding collectors, shilling your work and like what your relationship with that process is like? Yeah. I mean, first off, thank you for saying that. Um, but I guess, uh, wait, repeat the second part of the question. So it's like, how do you deal with like the, the pressure to be successful, sell your work? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think I'm like everybody else. Um, I, well, obviously like I've made some sales, you know, I sold out a digital, uh, I sold out a photo collection of five and then like four digital art collections. Sick. And, um, it's, I wasn't making like a ton of sales the first few months, but they would come in here and there. Right. And then I, in my marketing strategy changed one day and I ended up selling out my 50 piece ugly Betty's collection of digital art in three days. Sick. And it was because I switched my strategy. Right. Okay. And then it would be like, I would go a day without a sale and it was like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh my, Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. Like yeah. I'm even going through that now. It'll be like a day or two. And I'm like, Oh my God, I gotta be hustling. I gotta be on spaces. Like, you know, like, because I quit my commercial product photography job. I was doing product photography for a brand and I quit it. And I was like, I'm going to do NFTs. Mm -hmm. Like I'll do my freelance fashion work in LA and in Salt Lake city. Um, and I will hustle my ass off and sell NFTs. Um, and so for me, like it, it's helping me survive. So like, I think that's why I also put a lot of dedication to it a lot of time because like, I don't really have another option right now, mm -hmm. you know, like, so that must um, like triple the pressure then. Yeah. The pressure is high right now for me, for sure. Um, but luckily as like the weather is getting better, more photo jobs come in, you know, it's like in that dark season when like, you're not getting a lot of photo work because of weather and mm -hmm. shit like that. It's just slow season for yeah. everybody in December, January. Right. Yeah. And so things are starting to pick up there, but like for the past few months, like, uh, this is all I've had. And so I've just been working my ass off because I'm like, if I'm not going to be, you know, in the studio, uh, photographing, whatever product, uh, I'm going to have to be on the streets out here hustling. Like <laughs> I'm a hustler. These I've internet always hustled. Streets. <laughs> yeah. These internet, these web three to gen streets, man. I but, love that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. Cause like my, my relationship with it is, um, I want to see everyone sell everything. I think a lot of people get super, uh, what's the word, uh, jealous, like, Oh my God, like why, you know, why not me? And like, I've been in some of those spaces where people are talking about how like, Oh, I don't get why that sold and mine's not selling and that. And I think at times there's a bit of a toxicity, uh, umbrella over it because like, to me, I don't give a fuck. Right. I want every photographer to be a millionaire. I want every fucking NFT artist to make hundreds of thousands of dollars i don't give a shit i know if you sell a hundred ugly betties some other artist who's making fucking bert and ernie porn stuff is gonna sell and right you know what i mean whatever like rising tide lifts all seas so i don't i don't judge myself relative to the other people but it is at times a lot there's like gotta be on gotta be shilling gotta be selling and that to me is like one of the reasons why i don't work in sales anymore right you know i want to just make yeah. art um but yeah so I like to spend the last bit of every podcast um, doing sort of like a little Q&A. Um, some of them are super easy. Some of them are a little bit harder. But my first question okay. for you is, are you happy? I am happier than I ever have been. Mm, I love that. What's your favorite food? Pizza. Cheese, pepperoni. What do we got? Ooh, there, I love all the pizza, but I hate pepperoni and I hate sausage. So absolutely not. You know, what's funny. I, uh, you know, I'm obviously hundred percent Italian. I don't like pepperoni pizza at all. It's just too oily. Like I hate get it. out of here, get away. Pepperoni. It's the worst. Um, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie of all time is rear window Hitchcock. Hmm. Okay. Definitely a first. What's your favorite book? My favorite book <laughs> This might sound basic, but it's The Great Gatsby. Oh, my God. I Gatsby. fucking love that book. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, do you believe in an afterlife? I believe in evolution. So, so yes. 
Oh, cool. I believe I will evolve into something better. Love that. Um, you know, it's funny. This is going to be somewhere around episode 80 or so. I've had probably 75 or so people on my podcast. And I'm like 90% at this point of people who think there's something after we die. And that is, that's fucking great. I love that. <laughs> it makes you feel better. <laughs> right? What's uh, What's your biggest fear? Uh, my greatest fear is sunken ships. I am terrified of not the creatures in the ocean, but like anything human that is down there <laughs> freaks me. Like Titanic. Oh, no. Absolutely. I don't know if on a past life I died on a ship or something. Wow. But like there is like I'll swim in lakes. I'll swim like but it still freaks me out. I have to like mentally try to check out. Right. Because <laughs> heaven knows what human things are in a lake right oh god <laughs> it's terrifying to me it's absolutely terrifying i'm i'm afraid <laughs> i fucking love that <laughs> oh sorry that's so funny uh, <laughs> what inspires <laughs> that's so funny what inspires you i like to say that my greatest inspiration is myself because i got here mm, i love that what gives you confidence? The fact that I don't know how to be anything but myself. So comfortability think, in your skin? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I don't I don't know how to fake things. I don't know how to not be me and like I just don't know like That's I a know superpower. It, it really it genuinely is my superpower for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, what's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? Oh shit. That's hard. <laughs> um, when this it wasn't advice given to me, but this was advice given to um, my friend on her wedding day from her grandparents. I was making a video and I was asking her grandma, what advice do you have for you know, my friend and her husband. And she said, even when you're married, always have friends outside of your marriage. And honestly, I could not agree more. Like I've been married. I was married for six years together for seven and having someone outside of like, you cannot put everything on your partner. Mm -hmm. You like, you need releases, you need other friendships. And in Mormonism, something is that you kind of get married and you just start having babies and you don't have friends anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that was like advice she was giving her, but I took that and I made sure like I'm going to spend time with my husband, but I'm also going to have friends and I'm not going to have kids like everybody else. And thank God I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the best advice that I think I've ever heard. Yeah. I like that. There needs to be separation of church and state, right? <laughs> When yes. it comes to oh relationships. Oh, my God. <laughs> and in Utah, there isn't. I know. Quote me on that. Quote me on that. <laughs> Last question. Um, give me a recommendation for something that you've recently consumed. It could be a book, a podcast, a movie, a TV show, just something that you recently watched that you think everyone should check out. Um, everyone should check, check out the photographer Ellen Von Unworth. Cool. My, that is who I've been to. I like that. My recommendation is... Everyone needs to go watch Severance. It's the best show on TV. It's so fucking cool and weird. And if you don't have Apple TV, just get it for like a week, watch Severance, and then cancel. It's the best. <laughs> cool. I'll go watch it. Stacy, uh, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. I am so amazingly appreciative of not only your time, but just like you as a human being, you are an inspiring individual, someone I'm extremely happy uh, that I have made the acquaintance of. I have a very cheesy line that if you've been on my podcast, you're now part of my family. So welcome. You're an official Pachuto. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>